Here we go, week two of the Bassmaster Open season. That and more here on episode 164 of the Inside Bassmaster Podcast. Hey, we're here together. The hosts of the Inside Bassmaster Podcast, Ronnie Moore, Kyle Jesse. Kyle, I'm excited about week two of the Open season. We get two kind of warm-ups before we get our elite coverage off and running. And we've got Wachita on deck. If you don't know where Wachita is, it's Hot Springs, Arkansas. And it is Kyle Jesse's, one of his, home lakes. So I know you're super excited to be there this week. Super excited. Yeah, driving down this morning, uh, I was I was thinking, you know, I get pretty excited for most any tournament to go to uh, for various reasons. But none probably bigger than this, especially as far as the Opens are concerned. Um, you know, go from Okeechobee, such a historic uh, fishery that you know bass has been to I mean, close to hundreds of times honestly uh seems like anyways and then uh to go to washita somewhere we haven't been in in a long long time since you and i were were toddlers basically so um <laughs> i'm i'm looking forward to it a lot obviously like ronnie said it's a lake that i grew up fishing a lot uh, until i moved to birmingham it's it's you know one of the two lakes that i fished uh basically every week it seemed like for the majority of my life so uh, i'm super excited i think the guys are going to catch them and uh, it's going to be a good change up from okeechobee obviously a lot of shallow water fishing there at okeechobee and then you know we're going to go to washita cold water um seems like a little bit of dirty water mixed in some of the some of the reports i've heard from practice so uh, i think it's going to be some good diversity at uh, washita this week be the opportunity to put a second angler in the 2025 bassmaster classic with scott martin basically punching his ticket and we say all of those things early in the year with the asterisk they have to fish the rest of that division so for scott martin he has to fish santee cooper first week of march and he has to fish lake hartwell in the last week of october or the in october for the last event of the season and the one thing for scott though is that if he qualified through the elite points let's just say he gets top 40 he doesn't necessarily have to go to hartwell because that spot would be he would either double qualify or he would revoke his open spot and he would give it to um, the next guy on the list anyway. So it, no matter how he would double, it's just if basically if Scott wants to fish in October or not, he would have the chance to double qualify or give it away to the next elite guy anyways. Um, but for Wachita this week, whoever wins this event has to fish at least the full division of Division Two, which is Wachita, Logan Martin, and Eufaula, Oklahoma. So those will be – that's the first division that's actually wrapped up for the season because we've got Wachita this week, which is kicking off today as we speak. And then we have um, Wachita kicking off. We have Logan Martin, I believe, in May. May I think, yeah. And then in June, we have Eufaula, Oklahoma. So Wachita, uh, the way our EQ points race is looking after one event – with Scott Martin only fishing one division, he is not in the EQ points race. So, yeah, he got the most points available, and he got 200, but that is not a part of the EQ points race for him. So, going down the list, second through 11th would be your prototypical top 10, and second through 10th would be uh, the qualifiers if it were to end today. So, Tucker Smith narrowly edging out Randall Tharp at Okeechobee gives him the max points of 199. Randall Tharp, 198. We'll look at the list. Paul Marks. Matt Adams, Austin Cranford, Easton Fothergill, Sam George, Bo, Brand, Bo Browning, Brandon McMillan, and Trevor McKinney. That's your top 10 in EQ points race. A lot of former college anglers in there, a lot of veterans of the sport and, and former pro-level anglers, and then a couple mixed in there as well of journeyman opens, guys like Austin Cranford and Sam George. So excited to see that. And I have to say Bo Browning's on that list. He's sitting there in uh, eighth in the points race, got ninth in the first event of the season, 
Now he's in the driver's seat, honestly. He should be the points leader after two events because he's going home to Wachita. You got to talk to Bo a little bit about maybe what he's thinking on his home lake. I have, yeah. I, you know, I think he's trying to, um, as best as he can, uh, keep the pressure off of himself because naturally, uh, you know, it's a good spot to be in. You wouldn't want to go from Lake Okeechobee to Lake Washita thinking you had to be in the top 10, uh, you know, to be in a good point standing. Obviously, he did himself a big favor doing well there at Okeechobee, a place that maybe uh, he didn't foresee himself making a top 10. Uh, but it seems like the the practice report I've been hearing has been uh, consistently inconsistent. Uh, a lot of different things at play. Like I mentioned earlier in the podcast, uh, you know, there's some dirty water. It rained basically all throughout practice. If you've se seen on social media, um, most all the anglers have have mentioned how how much it's rained. So that's going to make some some of the backs of the creeks and, uh, you know, the the South Fork and North Fork of the River, some of these places where water's coming in, it's going to be a little dirtier. Uh, so despite the cold weather and the cold water temperatures, there's still going to be fish caught shallow. Um, but, you know, the way the fish set up on Washita a lot of times, especially in the, you know, mid lake down to the, the Blakely Dam, uh, it's so deep and so clear. I mean, it's not uncommon to see, you know, water temperatures or not water temperatures, excuse me, water depths uh, going well beyond 100 feet. So, um, you know, a good comparison would be it's similar to a herring fishery in the way that the bass act. Uh, but there's no herring. They just chase shad around and and I think they gang up with the stripers and white bass or whatever whatever else uh, is out there suspending uh, and they just kind of gang up on on bait fish. So uh, it's going to be diverse. I think there's going to be a lot of different things at play, but uh, I've heard reports, you know, all over the place, bags upwards of 20 plus pounds in practice and then, you know, consistently catching nine to 11 pounds in, in practice, which I think will be kind of the, the medium range if I had to guess. Yeah, and honestly, we'll see that. This is one of those lakes that's going to flip-flop. If a guy busts 17 pounds on day one, the key thing to watch for him is not, will he do 17 again? It's, will it be 9, 10, 12 pounds? If you get 13, you're like on a 15-pound average. That's going to be great. You're going to be in the realm there, but we'll see some flip-flops for sure. When you think about Wachita, because I fished there as well. I actually had Zeke Gossett, one of the Opens Anglers, screenshotted a YouTube video where I caught like two five-pounders in a day of fishing. I think it was my only two bites all day, and he was like, where are these fish at? And this was like months ago, and I was like, that's not even going to, I don't even, don't even look at anything I do at Wachita because I fish there very little. But would you say that all of that water inflow in the in the forks, you know, the rivers on the west end of the lake, is, is it going to, with it being cooler to colder rain, really drastically make the water temperatures in the forks much different than Blakely's or the dam region? I, I got reports that it was 50, you know, and it was kind of 50 all over, but I didn't know where that angler had traversed that day. So have you really seen a dramatic difference in the early pre-spawn time period of water temp? It's going to determine a lot to be with the the air temperatures and the the sun and things of that nature the next few days. Um, a little different, I would guess. Uh, my my best guess was that you know the middle of the lake, um, all the way like I said earlier to the Blakely Dam. It takes a lot of rain and a lot to happen to make that general area of the lake to to get dirty. So water temperatures and and things of that nature are going to be really consistent there. Um, you know, when you talk about the rivers, they will warm up a little bit, but I would say based on how cold it's been just in general, um, you know, it's not been overly freezing like we had a few weeks ago, but, um, you know, still cooler temperatures. I would say it might be a few degrees difference, but probably not a, a massive difference. We may see a big water temperature jump at least a little bit because the next few days we will see a little bit more sun, but the big key is the last two nights here, 
um, you know, Tuesday night and Wednesday night, because we're because this is airing day one of the tournament. They have all been or I mean, Monday night and Tuesday night have been in the 20s. You know, it's been frost on the windshields of cars. It's been cold. It'll jump up there and get into the mid 40s, upper 50s at times. But Wednesday night of this tournament, it's not getting too tremendously cold. It's going to get down to the 40s, but that's really it makes it, it gets to about 49 degrees at midnight and it'll drop a few more degrees before sunrise and then it jumps right back up. We're going to have one of the warmest days of the week today on Thursday, 66 degrees, Fridays 64 degrees and the low Thursday night's not going to be low at all. It's going to be in the 50s. So, great temperatures for a warming trend. For the next two days, Thursday and Friday of this tournament, Saturday it will cool back off, but those fish aren't gonna, they're not, they're they're accustomed to the change in, in temperature. So we should have somewhat stable. The rain for the most part is gone. There's a there's a high point on Friday afternoon that there's rain, but it'll be warmer rain if it does rain. It will be warmer rain. One thing I love about Wachita and hate is that when I practice in the rivers like North Fork, when I would fish, my crankbait would be hitting the bottom in practice and it would start to drizzle and it's, it would rain all night. And the next morning I get out there, my crankbait wouldn't hit anymore. And so are we going to see these anglers in your opinion that do choose the rivers where it is much more volatile, they're going to have a little bit more stable conditions, but there, there's still going to be an adjustment period, at least early on this day one of tournament. Yeah, no question. I think that, um, you know, you can compare it to a, a few tournaments in the past, elite series tournaments. You look at like uh, Lake Martin years ago when Takahiro won up there. Um, some of that stuff, you know, when you're talking about Washita is going to be super consistent and super stable. Uh, but like you said, with the the changing, uh, you know, weather that we're going to have with the rain, I would say that stuff's going to be fairly consistent just because whatever level of dirtiness the water is up there. It's going to have, have t had time to settle in, if that makes sense. You know, obviously, the first day after a big rain or the second day after a big rain when the water muddies up, I think it kind of puts those fish in limbo a little bit. Um, but then when you're talking about, you know, several days of the fish having, you know, getting accustomed to that, I think that that, that could be a, a pretty uh, solid pattern, to be honest, when you're, you're talking about cranking up the river, doing stuff like that. Um, you know, some guys, that's just going to be their comfort zone. Obviously, not everybody wants to go out there and, and, you know, rely on their electronics just to catch fish that are suspended. So um, my guess is that that will stay fairly consistent, but I, I bring up the Lake Martin tournament and, and, you know, even Cherokee back in the day, it's hard to, you know, repeat a big bag out there. It's, it's very mm -hmm. difficult. So after day one, you know, we'll see some guys catch upper teens, you know, possibly over 20, I would, I would guess. Um, but, you know, being able to consistently get those bites, um, you know, when you're talking about that style of fishing in general, you're relying on a little bit of luck because you don't know the number of, you know, quality fish that live on a stretch as where, um, you know, the guys that are fishing for groups of fish, they're going to move a lot, but it could be con more consistent just at a, at a medium weight over the course of three days rather than, you know, relying on one big bag from the rivers. And we have multiple species in play. Have they figured out the smallmouth thing? Are you allowed to weigh in smallmouth at Wachita? I remember like you'd catch them, but you can't weigh them in. I don't know if that's a thing anymore, but I know largemouth and I've seen spotted bass play. And so it'll be interesting to see those who crank down the bank or in the, in a Creek around timber, if they, uh, you know, if they're going to be all on largemouth or mix in spotted bass as well. But those guys who are out there over suspended timber and those fish chasing bait, maybe that could be any, it could be mostly spotted bass, but there could be a, a 11 pound largemouth like Jacob Bigelow caught, you know, in pre-practice um, months ago. 
at, at Watchtaw. So what do you feel the winner maybe on Saturday, 15 bass weighed in, is it going to be a 10 spots, five largemouth type thing? Or or like we said, are smallmouth even allowed to be weighed in? So uh, I just looked. So only two smallmouth per angler uh, per day is allowed. Okay. Um, I don't think that'll be a huge factor. I did yeah. see some pictures from practice of guys catching some. Um, it's not entirely uncommon, but to, to rely on smallmouth to be a, a part of your bag, anything outside of just a lucky catch <laughs> yeah, yeah, would yeah, be yeah. Uh, would be pretty difficult to do. But to answer your question, you know, I think that obviously anybody that's able to catch 15 largemouth over the course of three days mm. is going to be in a really, really good spot. That said, uh, you know, the lake has so many spotted bass. And when you look at other fisheries like, uh, you know, the Coosa River where I live now and, and other Heart places, well. yeah, absolutely. You know, mixing in spotted bass is not considered a bad thing necessarily. Um, at Lake Washtenaw, the spotted bass don't get very big. I'd be very surprised if we see um, many or any spotted bass over three, three and a half pounds. Um, so, you know, I think that guys will have to mix them in just to stay consistent with their limits. But, um, you know, I, I, it's it's going to be difficult for a guy to be able to catch five largemouth a day for three days. And, and you know, it might take somebody, you know, like you mentioned, running up the rivers and fishing shallow to accomplish that. But, um, you know, when you're talking about the fish that are in traditional winter wintering um, positions, you know, chasing bait uh, in ditches or out in the middle of the lake, um, there's definitely going to be mixed in spotted bass and largemouth. So it's kind of almost hard to avoid at that point to catch catch some spotted bass. This is a lake that you don't necessarily want to run around. It's not hard to run around here because it's not like it's windy or, or difficult to navigate. It's pretty straightforward. You can you can run around, but it is a it's much bigger than you think it is. So when you think about the west side of the lake with the two forks, um, and then you've got Crystal Springs, you got the Mountain Harbor region, and then you've got Buckville to the north, you've got the takeoff area, Brady, and then towards the dam on the north side, you've got Blakely's. Blakely's has been a name that's popped up from Forcewood Cups Pass, you know, in the summer. Um, there's grass notoriously there. Do you know the state of the grass on the lake or in Blakely's? And you don't really want to be a North Fork and a Blakely's guy. You got to pick one or the other. It's just way too much running. Yeah, absolutely. To answer your question about the grass, um, I've heard some reports from guys from practice uh, that there is some grass. Uh, that's the one thing I'm actually looking forward to seeing myself. Um, I think that's one of the biggest outliers in the tournament is the grass itself. Uh, typically, like you mentioned, you cut the lake in half north and south. The east side of the lake is going to have the grass, like you said, the Blakely area, you know, little Blakely Creek and big Blakely Creek. Um, some of the the flats and islands around Brady Mountain are also going to have some grass. That's the thing I'm most curious about, because when I say that, you know, a guy it's not like it's not like water willow. This is offshore yeah, vegetation. Hydrilla. That, I mean, yeah. it's, it's hydrilla. When you see a dark largemouth get weighed in this week, they're not up on the bank in dirty water. It is going to be a probably a grass, a hydrilla fish. No question. And I think if, if guys are able to be consistent with that, that's the big outlier. Um, you know, you mentioned the state of the grass every year. It seems to change, um, not to an extent of like you hear guys talk about Okeechobee and things of that nature, but depending on water levels throughout the year, uh, water temperatures, you know, in the winter, it, it's, it just varies every year how much, you know, milfoil and, and, um, hydrilla is going to be there. I think that a guy that can figure that out and, and stay consistent with that, um, is going to have a really good chance because again, that's where you're going to catch, obviously, your majority of your largemouth. So a guy that's able to figure that, um, you know, that section of the lake and that pattern out is going to be in really good shape, I would guess. 
what do you expect for the fans who are watching this this morning as day one is starting and they tune into Bash Track later today, or we see the day one leaderboard and they tune in tomorrow to Bash Track? What what is the winning or what is the leading weight going to be after day one? Pop a big bag. Are we going to see twenty plus pounds? And then when we translate to the three day weight, it's not going to be twenty each day and be sixty pounds. Where is that going to fall for three days after we have that day one, which normally is the biggest bag? Of the week. I've gone back and forth on this because, you know, in my mind, I feel like catching upper teens, you know, 17 to 20 in that range um, is 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 not going to be uncommon. I think the whole top 10 will have somewhere around that weight. Um, the winning or like the leading weight after day one. Again, I, you know, considering it's an open and there's a lot of boats out there. I want to lower the expectations a little bit, but I've fished so many big, you know, local tournaments there this time of year. It rarely takes under 20 pounds to to win one of those so i would guess that somebody well another thing to consider too is those tournaments are you know a rig tournaments you can throw an a rig so man this would that, be the best this would be the best yeah. open of the year if you could throw no, an A-rig. no <laughs> doubt it is a really good a rig lake so um i think that you know obviously that could factor into the weights but after day one i would guess that 22 to 23 pounds wow. maybe would be leading um and again do i think that one guy's going to be able to do that for for three days absolutely not uh there but are a ton uh, compared to most places i know a ton of arkansas arkansas anglers signed up for this division or just this event so they may be cherry picking but like there are some hammers that are like hey we're not going to get one at watch for another 20 years and i'll be 85 i better sign up you know i, I know a lot of them that are <laughs> i mean the the kevin browns of the world matt baker's um, some of these these guys that are fishing it and more or less, you know, just fishing that one, jackpotting it, if you will. Um, it's 50 grand if they went, you know, sure, you want to. Sure, and that that's the one thing that I, I keep in the back of my mind is how many times I've seen, you know, at least five of the guys on on the EQ, or the EQ, excuse me, the uh, Opens roster for this tournament, I've seen them catch those bags out of there. So I'm, I'm a little hesitant to say, uh, you know, it's going to be in that low 20s range, but also, like I said, I've seen it too much to think that somebody's not going to figure it out and at least do that for one day. Uh, and then, like you said, the question is, can you hold on for two days uh, after that to take the win? See, and I'd say, I'd say, man, if this was winter, because it feels like winter, and I'm just going to say it's early pre-spawn, um, that the locals would have an advantage. Or if it's like dead of summer, 12 pounds a day will get you, you know, paid. That's the uh, that's when they have an advantage. Right now, I feel like the the weather is trending in the right direction, and the fish were already biting when it was in the wrong direction. That it's going to be hard to have as much of an advantage impactful. Also, like you said, in the summer, catching a six pounder is even more random than now. There's more apt to do that. And so, if someone does catch an eight pounder, they can have that 22, 23 pound day, and they're they know they can't count on that eight pounder tomorrow. But the likelihood they could catch two fours or a, sure. or a five and a four the next day, it's still there because it's actually fishing good this time of the year. So that's a positive of it. And and one thing that I've, I've thought about throughout the podcast that we've been talking about is, you know, every time we have a pro on to discuss or preview an event, we always ask them what their winning weights are. And they're always weary to say, and now that now you, you ask me that, not that I'm a pro by any <laughs> means, but the fact that you asked me that I'm, I'm starting to understand why those guys hate answering that question so much on their home bodies of water, because I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm a little unsure when you get that many boats on a lake. Um, like I mentioned earlier, like the local tournaments, um, you know, that's at best, you're talking a hundred and to 150 boats. So, I mean, you add an additional hundred on top of that, 
Um, it's just really hard to predict what the the winning weights are going to be. But I think that we'll, I, I can say very confidently, we'll see some 20 pound bags for sure. I think it's a, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I would, I would say that Wachita is, is a pretty darn good pattern lake. Like, I feel like you can't maybe duplicate stuff at the dam up the river, but like there's a long stretches, Brady, Crystal Springs. You could get on some banks, 45, crank them, do those. You can find timber in pockets and duplicate it. You can find bushes, North Shore, that kind of stuff. So would you say great pattern like where if someone does catch an eight pounder and they're like, what am I going to do tomorrow? Well, I can do the same thing. I can just go here, there, everywhere and try it. 100%. You know, I've made the comparison a handful of times throughout the podcast talking about uh, how Washita compares to other lakes. I've said for years now that I've had the opportunity to go to Hartwell, um, it sets up so similar to Hartwell in a lot of ways. Exclude the blueback herring and exclude the docks. There's none of neither of those two. But otherwise, <laughs> you're not it, allowed to fish the marinas in Arkansas. <laughs> right. So, you know, otherwise, they're very similar because of exactly what you said. Uh, you know, if you can you can figure out a pattern and consistently get bites doing one thing, let's just say it's fishing secondary points, there's a good chance that general area of the lake that you're getting bites, you can run that um, rather than, you know, rely on one single spot. So it is a good pattern lake. Um, you know, naturally, I can say this because I grew up fishing it so much. It is inconsistent, too. I mean, it's it's not like you find one thing and you can count on it for multiple days. Um, you know, obviously, there's not a ton of multiple day tournaments on the lake, but just even fun fishing. You know, you see how quickly things change. So it uh, goes back to what we said earlier about the importance of the stable conditions, hopefully, that we're going to get. So I now want to transition and you don't know that I'm going to ask this and, and I don't even know what my answer is going to be on this, but. When we look at the, let's pull up the opens points race. So we'll go to the opens EQ points race. Tommy Sanders said this question to us on live last, last event with, with Greg Hackney. And, and it's hard to tell after week one, but I think Such said the stat was seven of the nine qualifiers for the elites this past season from the opens were in the top 25 after the first event. Will we see that duplicate where basically everyone from Matt Messer up you know, if you are in the top 30 in the tournament, you're top 25 in the points, and and we're going to see all nine qualifiers in there, or seven of them. Or my second part of that question is how far down could someone be after the first one, in your opinion, with the way the schedule sets up? Maybe it's a specific person. I'm looking down the list. You see a Tristan McCormick in 57th in points. You see a, you know, a Jack York in 67th, a Matt Pangrak 69th. Is that too far down after one week at it with eight more to make it? You know, so that we'll just do that one. We'll do that first. How far down can someone be, in your opinion, to still be able to maybe make the elite series? Is it Lineberger in 88th, McClellan 95th? If you're in triple digits, are you out? Yeah, I mean, statistically speaking, when you look at like the lowest finishes of the nine guys that made it, um, irregardless if it was the first one or not, because I, I think I said this to Such in one of our meetings, you know, it's such a small sample size, just one year of, of going off of, uh, that it's hard to suggest that, you know, that's a definite thing. Um, it's such a hard question to answer because, you know, I don't know how many times we've had this conversation, but when you look down the EQ list and you keep going down and you're like, well, I still have faith in that guy. I still have faith in that guy. But then when you, you know, you look how far down they are, it's hard to come back. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say comfortably, I'm definitely not going to go, you know, you have to be, I'm not going to say you have to be within the top 40. I don't think that that's you know, necessarily true. I would say anywhere in the top, I would even extend it down to maybe like the top 60. 
I think would would have a good chance of which is of, 80 points different even sure. though it's top 60 there were so many one division guys in there that 199 is the points leader for EQs right now and 119 is 60th place um, because when you think about Russ Lane zeroing day one at Okeechobee 225th in the points race heck of a way to start your season you're like bummed comes and catches 20 pounds and he's mm. finishes 122nd if you're gonna have a hundred point salvage, that's the day you need to do it. Sure. And he's he's ninetieth in points or uh ninety second in points. So even though he finished one twenty two or something like that, he's there was thirty anglers in there not fishing. So he's still a bunch of points behind, but he's ninety second in the race. So um, I I've got to think that seventy five. I I'll extend down to seventy five. Um, you know, you got Shane Lineberger. He would love to make a comeback the rest of the season and have a shot at Hartwell in the last event, you know, that'd be the desire. Somebody like a McClellan. The The deal is, is it's, if you're a regular Joe in fishing skill and you're jumping in the open, no, no disrespect. If you're a regular Joe, going to be very difficult. If you are a Mike McClelland or, or Russ Lane or somebody like that, Shane Lineberger, who has qualified for the elites before and has done a gauntlet season, those guys have the capabilities of doing two or three top tens in a row. And that's the deal. We will see guys right now. I'll say it. We'll see a guy that's in 80th to a hundredth in EQ points, pop a top 10 this week. And they'll be right back up there in 35th exactly. points. Sure. What they do at Santee Cooper, the first week of March will then it's kind of like, here's my prediction. If this happens, let's pause. We got to see the third event before we make another call. Cause if they do another one back to back, then boom, same thing goes for a bomb. Somebody could bomb and slip, and if they bomb again, now they're behind the eight ball. If somebody already bombed, they got to have two really good ones to kind of come back from. So that's going to be something to watch as well. And we had 13, you know, people who have been pros, whether it's on the BPT or the FLW Tour or the Elite Series in the past that are trying to do it. 13 of the top 40 are, are there. So there's a bunch of actual consistent touring pros still with a great shot at it they didn't hurt themselves in the first one yeah and there's something to be said for that too you know with experience there's these guys that are that are fishing the eqs that have fished on you know the bassmaster elite series tour flw tour whatever it may be um it's just the mindset of knowing that just because one event didn't go you know go well doesn't mean you're completely out of it um as where i think you know guys that are just jumping in um you know you have a really bad one to start with and the mindset as well this year's you know basically going to be hard to come back from but um you know i think there's something to be said for the mindset there because like you said as a point that i was going to make as well is you go and top 10 this event after finishing in the 70s to 100s um you know at okeechobee and it doesn't look so bad anymore but obviously after one event you know things may appear worse than yeah. they actually are you're like i want to start watchtall right now like i, I don't want to see myself in that spot anymore and then you look down the list and i was shocked as as i'll get out that greg bohannon i i didn't get to ask greg if it was mechanical error or issues or or actually zeroing on day one but he was in the same boat russ lane was he didn't make nearly as much of a jump he only gained three points so he's sitting there with three points after one event but he's in his home state now he'll have one at you follow oklahoma in the same region he'll be able to go up north and fish smallmouth and Lawrence, you know and so we also saw him come up with a flurry at the end with fall events so It'll be interesting to see how it pans out, but um, I am certainly excited. When I saw Watchta on the schedule, it's different. People are like, oh, it's the same schedules over and over and over again. You have Leech that we've never been to. 
and you have Wachita. The last time we were there, and and help me with this story, but the last time we were there, Greg Hackney won, I think 2002. But he wasn't leading, and I was like, Greg, why was the was it a two day event? Why was the weight so low for the winners? And it was because he wasn't leading because Stephen Brownie had such a big lead. But then the inexplicable happened. Yeah, the the last day of the tournament, like Ronnie mentioned, uh, Stephen had a a bad day to say the least, and, and zeroed and let let Greg, who is a good friend of his, ironically, <laughs> two Arkansas um, hammers back right, in the day, right, jump him in the in the the lead, and then uh, you know what I was telling Ronnie was that um, Stephen was so mad after that tournament that uh, he called his you know his fishing buddy his his tournament partner uh and they hopped in a uh a night tournament on lake hamilton which is the neighboring lake there and uh to my knowledge caught the biggest bag that anybody's ever caught out of there um i don't remember the exact weight but it was it was either 30 or pushing 30 which regardless now then any time in the history of of uh Lake Hamilton, that's about the biggest bag I've ever heard of. So, um, yeah, certainly a uh, a bummer for Steven on that one. But uh, he was he was plenty mad at him that night from the story I heard. That's literally the – I know what Steven said. Oh, now they bite. You know, like they didn't bite <laughs> yeah. all day long, but now they bite in this one. I just want 100 bucks instead of 25000 back in the day. Um, but, yeah, huge field. So, so go through that list real quick if you have it of the roster of Arkansas anglers in this event because – some of those names are familiar to me. Uh, some you'll know better. And if, you know, we we can look at the EQ list and see Tucker Smith leading at Randall Tharp second. And we went through the whole leaderboard there. You have the college representative Easton Fothergill, sixth place. Uh, Sam George, long time, so close. Same story as John Garrett, basically. Seventh, what a great start for him. Trevor McKinney right there. Emil Wagner. We know the top 20. You have Clark Ream even in 20th, former Elite Series pro. There's so many names that we know in the top 20 or 40, but people will maybe tune into live on Saturday and not know some of these locals. So tell me some locals that are Arkansas, because uh, that's a big list. There's like <laughs> three fishing all the opens, and there's like 27 on this list right now. So give me some names. You already mentioned a few, but give me some names that maybe are just fishing this one event or this division that we could see in the top 10 and a little bit about their game. Yeah. And not even necessarily just anglers uh, that, you know, people may not have heard of even a Kevin short, yeah. former elite series pro fishing this one. Um, I mentioned Matt Baker, former college angler at Arkansas tech had an excellent career there fishing in the college Bassmaster college series. Um, Kevin Brown uh, is, is a name that, uh, you know, Bo and I have talked about just from fishing local tournaments with Bo in the past. Uh, that's always one of the names you you know is is going to be a, a challenge to beat. Uh, Quincy Howard. Yeah, Quincy, leave your way. Alabama rigs at home because he, yeah. he is a hammer with the A rig, but it is not an A rig tournament. And don't bring your net either. If, that we can't do. That. If nothing else, you know, it's ironic you you say that. Again, <laughs> we brought up the A rig earlier in the 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 podcast, but. I'm anxious if just take the EQ out of it, take the the tournament out of it. I'm just curious to see how these guys do. They need a side pod, an Arkansas side pod. Yes, that don't, you know, don't normally have to, uh, or don't normally. Or, wow, They're out of the rhythm. Yeah, They're they out can't, of yeah. can't throw an A-rig. I'm trying to word it differently than I than I did. But, um, you know, not being able to throw an A-rig is going to be so different. Because like I said, in in the Trader Bills team tournaments and the Arkansas Bass team trail and and all the big tournament series in Arkansas, I mean, you can throw an A-rig. So uh, I'm just curious to see outside of the tournament itself how some of these guys do without throwing an A-rig. And I'm not throwing shade at anybody. I no, throw an A-rig too. a different too. way of approaching it. 100%. Yeah. It's just very difficult. I mean, you know, it doesn't have the same drawing, you know, 
uh, a swim bait or a Demiki rig style bait doesn't have the same drawing power that an A rig might. So, um, and you obviously can't be as efficient fishing those baits as you can an A rig a lot of times. So, um, you threw Matt Baker out there, which I believe Matt, I mean, he's good at a lot of places, but he's a, I think he's from Tech. Didn't he go to yeah, Tech? So yeah, he's a Dardanelle Tech. guy, another river, dirty water guy that Teddy Bogard. Like, if you don't yes. know Teddy Bogard, yeah. he's in this event. And so, Normally, there's kind of a split in Arkansas. It's the River Gang and it's the Hot Springs Gang, and they don't like each other, and they don't like going to each other's lakes. They don't like splitting the. Oh, I see. We gotta we gotta go out of Dumas for the river. Well, I'm gonna take y'all to Greer's for this, you know, or whatever. And so, uh, it's cool to see if it a was, little mixture in there. If it was up to the Hot Springs guys, <laughs> every major tournament in Arkansas would be on Washtenaw, Hamilton, or DeGray, which yeah. is three of the main hey, tournament. DeGray lakes. is on fire. It seems for Giants. Such I don't know where they got there. dropped off from, but yeah, it's yeah. Uh, it's. Good to hear that it's back so no good. plenty of other people uh jason leblong's traveled the country as well fishing um and it looks like we have maybe one of the davis boys fisher mm -hmm. davis mark yep. davis is one of mark davis's boys um so many others in there so yeah 20 arkansas anglers only two or three are eq anglers so we'll keep an eye on that um but kyle appreciate you glad to have you in person kyle in the bassmaster studios here uh enjoy covering your home lake this week. We'll be down at the weigh-ins each day to do interviews and to see it. It's always good to go to a basement. We don't get to go. They don't let me out of the office anymore. I'm glad to be out this week. Um, Watchtower is going to be a good one. And then we're going to go straight into Toledo, into Fork, and then we will be right back with Santee Cooper after this stretch. We'll have four events in four weeks and uh, two opens and with two elites don't, in the middle. Don't remind me. <laughs> um, no, I, I am. Happy Valentine's Day. <laughs> yeah. This will be a, a really amazing stretch of the schedule between the elites and then obviously the two opens that sandwich the elites. But, uh, you know, final thoughts, you know, again, I, I don't consider myself an expert on this lake. I've fished it a ton. But the one thing I, I'm really looking forward to is when you get this many good anglers on a body of water this big, uh, they're going to exploit a lot of things that, you know, from a local standpoint that like I may never have even thought of fishing. So that's like a, a personal thing that I'm really looking forward to is just seeing, um, you know, the different ways guys catch them. And, you know, you know, they're going to get creative because these are some of the, the best anglers in the world and they're going to figure it out. Um, so I hope I'm wrong on some of my predictions and the, in the, the right way, I guess, in the weights prediction. Um, but I, I can't look, you know, I, I couldn't be any more excited for this one. Yeah. And I believe we'll have Stetson Blaylock in studio for at least the Fox Sports 1 portion of the show in the morning. He may hang around a little bit because we're starting earlier than we normally do by about half an hour. So Stetson will join us, and then he'll head out because they've got to start practice for Toledo on Sunday uh, right after Wachita. So some guys like Luke Palmer are fishing this division, getting their warm-up in. I think Scott Canterbury's fishing this division, so he's getting his warm-ups in and then they're going to go down. So if we have Stetson in all day, awesome. If we don't, we may pull one of the opens guys that maybe maybe if Bo Browning gets 12th, 13th, you know, has a good event, isn't mad at the world, maybe he'll come up and give us some afternoon commentary. But should be a great one. We will join you in the next episode of the podcast with our fantasy picks and thoughts, and, and we're going to try to do a good job of laying out the season because it's now here. Second week of February and tournament season, I'll say, has official. We had a soft release of, this, of the season at Okeechobee. Now the season's starting. We're about to have four weeks in a row of tournaments, and we're going to have classic spots already getting allocated. So for this episode of the podcast, that's Kyle Jesse. I'm Ronnie Moore. We will see you in the next one.